Well, good morning. My name is Mike Silliman. I'm the Care and Connections pastor here at Grace Community Church. And um, my family, uh, we moved here about five months ago. And uh, man, it's been just a great, uh, great time getting to know you all, getting to know Indiana, and celebrating a bunch of firsts. You know, like for example, we had our, our first Hoosier Christmas and uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was great, and I uh, hope your, your Christmas was great as well. And um, getting ready to, to celebrate our first Hoosier snowfall. I don't know when that'll happen, but um, I'm told it'll be before too long. Um, but it's, uh, it's great to be here with you this morning. We're going to continue our series called The Greatest Exchange. And uh, wow, last Sunday was just a wonderful Sunday of celebration as we've seen 120 people cross this stage and uh, say yes to the living water of Jesus Christ. And uh, we, we serve a God, we serve uh, a, a Savior that wants to exchange old for new. Amen? He wants to give us a new life. And, uh, and we're going to continue that today. We're going to talk about uh, how Jesus wants to exchange our aimlessness for a life of purpose. You know, there's one thing that every human being desires. doesn't matter if uh, they're a follower of Christ or not. Every human being wants to know that they're making a difference. Everybody wants to wake up, put their day in at their job, you know, come home feeling good about their contribution, feeling good that they, they made a difference. And when we can't do that, when there's something that, that prevents that from happening in our lives, we, we're, we're frustrated, right? We, we, we feel a lack of fulfillment in our lives. We're, uh, we're, we're, we're unsettled in our lives. And, and that feeling, that desire to make a difference, that, that desire comes from, from God himself. He's hardwired us in his image to, to be people that make a difference, people of purpose. And we all want to hit the target. We all want to hit the target. And the question that we often ask ourselves is, am I hitting the target? But I want to propose another question, a more important question that we need to answer this morning. See, I don't think that the question is, am I hitting the target? I think the question that we need to ask this morning is, am I hitting the right target? Am I hitting the right target? See, uh, here's what I know to be true because I, I've seen it in, in my own life and maybe you've seen it in, in your life as well. Uh, and write, write this down. We often mistake activity for accomplishment and we mistake movement for direction. We, we often mistake activity for accomplishment and we mistake movement for direction. I, I saw this illustrated this week as I um, studied the processionary caterpillar. Anybody ever hear of the processionary caterpillar? Okay, well, if you've not, uh, I have a picture for you. You can, you can take a look at the processionary caterpillar. They, they feed on pine needles, okay, and they move through the trees in this long procession, one right after the other, uh, one nose right in the butt of the, of the guy right in front of them, okay? And, they, and they, 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 they're half blind, and they just kind of move through life, making sure that their head's nestled in, 
in, the, in the, the rear end, the backside of the caterpillar in front of them, and they just move and, and they eat pine needles. That's what they do. A lot of activity. Well, there was this, this French naturalist, and uh, he decided to experiment a little bit with these, with these creatures. And so here's what he did. He took a planter, a big planter, and he, he put these caterpillars one right after the other on the rim of a planter. Okay? And so these caterpillars formed a complete circle, complete unbroken circle. You with me so far? And, and then he let them loose, and he watched these caterpillars just begin to move around the rim of this planter with not, not stopping at all. And he just was perplexed, and he's watching these caterpillars do their thing, thinking, thinking, thinking. Surely, sooner or later, they'll catch on to the joke. Okay, and one of them will kind of dive off and, and go get some food. But surprisingly, these caterpillars didn't, they didn't move. They just kept doing their thing. Seven days, seven nights, these caterpillars kept moving around in a circle of activity until they finally just died of exhaustion and died of, of starvation. Crazy, right? But see, here's the the truth, and here's the reality. You and I, people, we can be be just like those caterpillars, moving, working, but ultimately, ultimately living an aimless life all along, shooting at the wrong target, trying to hit the target so desperately, but, but, but rather than hitting the right target, we're aiming at the wrong target all Along And Jesus came to exchange our aimlessness for a life of purpose. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And uh, we're going to read the first 11 verses. If you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. The ushers would, would be happy to put one in your hands. And when you find Luke chapter 5, um, go ahead and, uh, and stand to your feet. And we're going to read this together. Luke chapter 5. Need a Bible? Raise your hand. Ushers will get you one there. We're going to read this out loud together. Okay, Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Ready? Let's read. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and when they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore 
left everything and followed him. Thanks. You can have a seat. I just want you to imagine this scene for a minute. Crowds of people coming to to listen to Jesus teach. They've heard that this man, Jesus, claims to be the Son of God, and he's, he's preaching, and he's teaching, and he's healing people, and he's casting demons out of people, and, and in amazement, just people would flock to hear Jesus teach. We don't know how many people were here at this encounter. Perhaps thousands of people gathered around, and Jesus was using the beach, his back facing the water, um, and he was speaking out to the people. But the people just wanted to get close to Jesus, as close as they could. And so you can kind of imagine the scene, the, the pushing, the shoving, and kind of just people in the front being pushed forward to Jesus as people were just trying to get closer so they could hear Jesus. They could be near Jesus. And Jesus figured out here, well, this isn't working so well. I'm about in the water, and hey, here's a boat. And so I'm going to get into this boat, and I'm going to uh, use this boat as as my platform. And I love this because um, Jesus knew that Peter was going to be there this day. Matter of fact, I'd like to think that Jesus set this whole thing up for one guy, for, for Peter, for Simon Peter. I, I'd love to think that, that Jesus knew that, that Simon Peter was going to be there with his boat, kind of frustrated from, from a, a, a day, an evening of fishing, maybe even wondering, why am I doing this? You know, like what? I'm living this aimless life, not catching any fish. And, and I would like to think that Jesus set this whole thing up in advance. And as a matter of fact, I, I know he did because Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, says this. It says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God set this meeting up in advance because he wanted to exchange Peter's life of aimlessness for, for a life of purpose. He wanted to give Peter a life of purpose. And, and Peter is going to receive something in just a couple of minutes that's just incredible. His life is about to be turned upside down because of Jesus. Before we go any further, though, I want to address Simon Peter. It's, it's, it's odd that he has two names, right? Here's a guy, Simon Peter. Where did he get these, these names? And, and here's what we know from, uh, from the Gospel of John. This isn't Peter's first rubbing shoulders with Jesus. See, Jesus rubbed shoulders with, with Simon Peter when, when Simon Peter's brother Andrew became a follower of Christ. The first thing Andrew did was he ran, got his brother Simon Peter, said, hey, you got to meet this guy. I found the Messiah. I'm following him. And, and, and Peter came, Simon Peter came and met Jesus. And it, and it wasn't uh, long uh, in this encounter, this short exchange that, that Jesus had with Simon Peter, that Jesus looked at this man, looked at Simon, and this is what he said. He said, you are Simon, son of John. And Simon says, yeah, that, my dad, John, gave me the name Simon. But then Jesus said this. He said, you will be called Cephas, which means, which when translated is 
Peter. Cephas or Peter means rock. Now, that must have been really strange to Simon. Jesus is giving him a new name. He just met him, and he's now calling him Simon Peter, which means rock. And, and uh, here's, here's what I love about Jesus, and here's what Jesus does, and here's what he does for you. Here's what he does for me. See, Jesus looked at Simon, and he saw him not for who he was in that moment, but for what he intended him to be. And see, Jesus sees you, and he sees me as he intends for you to be. He sees you for the purpose that he's prepared in advance for you to do and, and be. And, and we see this in, in other places in Scripture, too. Um, in the Old Testament, for example, uh, the Israelites, uh, one of the you know, thousandth time they were disobeying God, uh, God allowed the, the Midianites to come in and oppress the nation of Israel. And, and it was bad. Midianites were coming in. They were stealing all their livestock. They were, they were stealing their, all of their produce, and, and they were ravaging the town. And, and the Israelites were, were afraid for their lives. They were, they were hiding out in caves. They were hiding out in the mountains. And there was a man uh, in Judges 6. We read about him. His name is Gideon. And uh, Gideon was afraid for his life. He was actually, Scripture tells us, he was hiding for his life in a wine press. And not only was he hiding, but he was trying to thresh wheat, normally something you do out in the open air so the wind can kind of carry the chaff away from the wheat. And here Gideon is trying to thresh wheat down in a wine press. It's kind of a comical picture if you think about it. And, and he's afraid for his life. He's, he's terrified that the Midianites are going to come and going to steal uh, everything that he owns and, and is going to kill him and going to kill his family. But we, we read in Scripture that God, he sees Gideon as he intended him to be. And he calls out to Gideon and he calls him. I don't know if you, if you know the story. You know what he calls him. He says, mighty Warrior. He calls Gideon a mighty warrior while he was hiding for his life, threshing wheat in a wine press. It's just an incredible thing. And all throughout Scripture, we see God doing that. He, he calls us for what he intends us to be, not as, as we are living in the moment. And God uses Gideon in an incredible way to bring the, the nation of Israel back to himself. Uh, but see, God sees you as well as he intends for you to be. And he sees Peter. He sees, and he calls him Peter, calls him rock. Peter says, rock? That doesn't make any sense to me. And Jesus says, one day it will. One day it'll, it'll make all kinds of sense. You don't understand it now, Peter, but you soon will. I'm about to exchange your aimless life for a life of purpose. So after Jesus is, is done using Peter's boat as a platform to speak to, to all the people, he turns his attention to Peter. Turns his attention to Peter. And he says, Peter, just put the boat out a little bit into the deep water. Just, just go ahead and do that, Peter. And Peter's thinking, you know, I fished all night. I'm tired. I want to go home. I want to go to sleep. I didn't catch anything all night long. And Jesus says, Peter, just go, go on out. Push out into the deep a little bit. And I want you to cast your net into the water. 
Peter says, Jesus, you know, I, I just washed my nets. I'm putting them away. I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. Jesus says, just go ahead and, and do that. Peter's thinking, this doesn't make any sense. It's daytime now. The fish are certainly not biting now. If they were going to bite, they were going to bite last night. We didn't catch any last night. So why are you asking me to do this odd thing? Jesus is asking him to do something that in Peter's mind makes zero sense at all. But it's all part of Jesus' plan to exchange Peter's aimlessness for, for a life of purpose. Uh, write, write this down in, in your notes. Jesus often calls us to do things in our lives that don't make sense so that he can make sense of our lives. Let me, let me just say that again. Jesus often calls us to do things in our lives that don't make sense so that he can make sense of our lives. Has, has God ever called you, asked you to do something that made zero sense at the time, only later to show you, wow, that might not have made any sense at all in the moment when I said yes to God, but it made perfect God sense after he revealed the plan and the purpose. I know that's true in my life several times over. Um, in, in 2005, uh, it became very clear to me that God was, was moving me. He was calling me to something different. Prior to this, I had spent 15 years uh, kind of working my way up through the corporate ladder at a, at a national company, and uh, a company that I loved, a company that treated me really well and paid me very generously. And um, I was very thankful for the job that I had. It was a wonderful job that connected me with people uh, all over um, the, you know, the United States. And I was able to travel and I was able to have fun and I was able to use my gifts and abilities. And, and, and God really, um, you know, helped me become a leader over those 15 years. And eventually I found myself in um, executive management position of this company, part owner in this national company. And it was wonderful. Uh, we moved out into the country. We bought our, our dream home and uh, we were loving life and we were serving the Lord in our local church. And, and um, it was just a great time, a great season in our, in our lives. We had three kids at the time. Um, but um, as I began to just grow in my relationship with the Lord, it became very clear that I had this just this unsettled feeling in my life, like, like I'm, I'm missing something, and I'm not doing what God really had purposed for me to do. And this, this sense, this, this, this lack of, of, of contentment, lack of peace in my life continued to just grow stronger and stronger until the point where, where, where I just was beginning to lose sleep at night over this, just wondering, you know, Lord, you know, what do you want me to do? And, and it became clear that, that um, we believed that God was calling me to leave my job uh, leave what I've worked so hard kind of building over the last 15 years to, to go and plant a church. And um, I didn't like that very much at the moment, to be honest with you. And I did my best to kind of chalk it up to like, oh, it must be the bad pizza we had last night, you know? Like, this, this, isn't, this isn't what God wants me to do. I mean, we just bought our dream home. We're serving the Lord. I mean, certainly this is where God wants us. But it became very clear um, just, you know, wrestling with the Lord over months and months. You guys ever try to wrestle with the Lord and win? 
It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And, and so I just remember, just like it was yesterday, um, uh, driving home from a business trip in, in New York City, tears running down my face because I was just kind of having one of these wrestling matches with the Lord, just kind of explaining why this doesn't make any sense. What you're asking me to do makes no sense. I've never planted a church. I have, have no idea where to start. Like this, this is crazy, Lord. But yet you're asking me to do this. And Lord, I, I want to do, I want to be in your will. I want to do what you're asking me to do. And I just, I'll never forget on the way home from New York City, tears running down my face. And I said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. If that means leaving my job, leaving my career, uh, selling my house, whatever, whatever you want me to do, I want, I want to do it. And man, I'm so, so thankful that we, that we, that we, looked at what didn't make any sense and we did it anyway, that we, we allowed God room to move in our lives. It was all God. It wasn't us. We were nothing special. And, but God did some incredible things and we, we, we saw God just radically change lives, saw many, many people come to faith in Christ. And I, I just wonder if I would have said no, if I would have just kept pushing that off, I would have missed out. would have missed out on all that God had for, for me. Well, fast forward eight years later, this last spring, and um, I receive uh, an email from Pastor Jim Brown, and uh, i just read the email for you. I still have it, and uh, this is what he said. Hey, Mike, Jim Brown here. Sounds innocent. <laughs> he says, I-, I never want to be the person who says the no for someone. Hmm, Okay. So, we are hiring a pastoral staff member here at Grace, and you came to mind. I know you're already serving, but sometimes God prepares our hearts for the next place. In any case, would you at least pray and see if you would be interested in exploring the opportunity to join our team at Grace? I can give you more details if you want more. Then he says this, I'll still love you the same either way. Well, that's nice, Jim. But I have always enjoyed your heart for Jesus and ministry and believe that you would be a great fit for our team. Love you, bro. Jim Brown. I I remember the day, again, just just like it was yesterday, receiving this email, thinking, yeah, that's cool. That's that's neat that he, you know, invited me to think about that. And I remember even going home and telling telling my wife, hey, I got a cool email. Let me read read it for you. And she said, oh, that's nice. That's cool, you know. And, and, and looking at each other, and she kind of looked at me, and I kind of looked at her, and we both said, nah, 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 it doesn't make any sense. We, we lived all our lives in Pennsylvania. We planted a church. We're serving in the church that we, that we planted. God's doing some amazing things, and, 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 uh, and, and, and we're, you know, my daughter is, is about ready to be a senior in high school. I mean, there's so many things that just didn't make any sense. But the longer we prayed, the longer we allowed Lord room to move and work in our lives, it became very clear that this is the next step that God had for us. And I, let me just tell you, I'm so, so thankful, so thankful that we allowed God room to work in that situation. I'm so thankful. Here's, here's what I know, and here's what God has proven to me time and time again in my life. What seems like plain nonsense is often perfect God sense. What, what seems like plain nonsense is often perfect 
God's sense. And how often do we just kind of dismiss that nonsense as nonsense? We don't give it another thought. No way, no way, this, this cannot be God. And we don't allow God room to, to move and work in our situation. And, and I'm convinced that the result is that we miss out on so much that God has for us. And we're so content shooting at this target. And it's, it's aimless because ultimately it's not God's purpose. It's not God's plan. For our lives. Well, Peter, he's in, a, he's in a position now where he needs to make a choice. Do I do what makes sense? And if I did, I'd tell Jesus, no way, just fished all night. I am not going to get these nets that I just cleaned and put back. I'm not going to get them out. It makes no sense. He, do I do that? Or do I obey? Do I listen? Do I do what he's asking me to do? So he responds in verse 5. Take a look at that. It says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything but. What's the next word? Because you say so. Because you say so. I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their, their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Look at what Peter would have missed out in that moment if he would have allowed what seemed like nonsense become common sense for him. He would have missed out on God's sense. He would have missed out on that. So Peter now saw Jesus in a completely different light than he did prior to this situation that happened. Look, look at verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, what did he do? He, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. See, Peter was confronted with the reality of who Jesus was. Do you notice a switch in, in even what he called Jesus? See, prior to this catching of all these fish, he, he referred to Jesus as teacher, master. But now he looks at Jesus and he falls to his knees and he says, Lord, he realizes he's in the boat with the creator of the universe, God in the flesh, right there in the boat with him. And, and when you see Jesus for, for who he really is, when you, when you see him in, in his glory and his holiness, you're confronted with the reality that I have no business to be in his presence right now. I have no business. I'm a, I'm a sinful man compared to this holy, perfect God. And Jesus could have taken him out just like that. Instead, verse 10, Jesus says to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. In other words, Peter, I'm exchanging the target that you're shooting at. I'm exchanging your aimlessness. You're a, you're a fisherman. I'm going to exchange that. Now you're going to become a fisher 
of men. I'm going to give you a purpose. I'm going to give you something that will, will get you up in the morning, that puts some pep in your step, that gets you excited about life because I'm the creator God and I've created you for a purpose uh, before the foundations of the world. I, I, in advance, this day, I, I marked it on my calendar, Peter, and this day is the day that you're going you're gonna to exchange your life of aimlessness for a life of purpose. By the way, God's purpose for your life, God's purpose for my life, always involves fishing for people. It always involves fishing for people. You may say, well, I work at the RV plant. Yeah, you do. You make RVs for for money so that you can fish for people. Uh, you, you work down at the school. You're a teacher. You're a paraprofessional. Yeah, that's your, that's your profession. That's what you go to do every day. But, but Jesus' purpose that you're there at your workplace fishing for people. You work down at the bank and you handle money all day. Yeah, that's, that's a contribution. That's a good contribution. But your, your contribution, your purpose is fishing for people. And, and Jesus, that's why he came, that's why he, he left us here, was to, to fish for people. He left us here with an incredibly fulfilling mission that should cause us to lose sleep at night. It should cause us to wake up so excited about our day and about what our day may bring because we never know the, the, the divine appointments that God is going to place in our lives for the, the people that he wants us to fish for. And it's a wonderful thing when you're a follower of Christ and you tap into that and you realize that and you live your life in that. It's an amazing thing and there's nothing like it. Not any money in the world could pay me to, to, to go back to this target. Not, not any money in the world. And, 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 and Jesus said this, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. This is what... This is what Jesus says. He, it, this, is, this is known as the Great Commission. Jesus left us with this. This is, this is our purpose. This is our mission. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So regardless of where you work, your purpose is to fish for people. And God may not be calling you to, to leave your place of employment to go plant a church like he did me. That's, that's what he did in my life. Maybe, maybe in your life, he just wants you to, to ramp up your, 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 your fishing for people. He wants you to, to stop looking at your job through, through this target right here and start focusing on the purpose that he has for you in fishing for people. Regardless of where you work, our mission is all the same. I, I love Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. It says this. It says, whatever you do, that about covers everything, doesn't it? Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So the guy that uh, you don't like very much that has a title boss, 
You can go into work tomorrow morning recognizing that, yeah, I, I respect him as my, as my boss over this target, okay? But I have a greater purpose in my job. I have a greater boss over here, and I'm going to work tomorrow, um, and I'm going to give everything that I have to this job that God has, has placed me at because I know that God has given me a purpose to fish for people, and see, here, here's, here's what I was thinking about this morning as I was praying through this message. Any job, any job becomes a dream job when God becomes your boss. A- any job, the, the, the job that you find kind of miserable, that can become a dream job when you catch a hold of this verse and you realize that God is your boss. Think about this. God may have placed you in your, in your place of employment, that place that you've been dreading, even right now as I'm talking about waking up tomorrow to go to. That place, okay? God may have it all worked out in advance, okay, because this is how God works and moves. Maybe there's one person there, one person there that God has sent you to to fish for that one purpose. You're trying to find a new job. God's saying, no, 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 I have you there for a purpose. The purpose is is to fish for people. Look at verse 11. It says, so they pulled their boats up on shore, and what did they leave? They left everything and, and followed him. They left everything. Think about what they left that day. It was much more than a fishing boat that they left. They, they left their identity, what they knew. You know, it was like second nature to them to go out and fish. This is who they were. They left their livelihood. They, they left what they worked hard, so hard for. They left what was comfortable, what made sense for them. They left that behind. They left everything behind to follow Jesus. They didn't leave the part behind that made sense. They didn't leave the part behind that, you know, that, that, you know, just they were ready to kind of release. They left everything behind, total commitment, total surrender, That's the kind of commitment, that's the kind of surrender that Jesus is looking for from from you and from from me. Uh, Any any Michael Jordan fans in the room here today? All two of you, three of you? Okay, good. Michael Jordan, he may be one of the best NBA basketball players of all time. Listen to some of these stats. Six NBA championships, five MVP awards, 14 all-star appearances, more than 32,000 points scored. Well, in his book, uh, Driven from Within, Jordan tells about a visit he made to uh, a friend of his house. Uh, His friend was Fred Whitfield, and Fred Whitfield was the president of another NBA team, okay? And and, uh, the two of them were going to go out, and they were going to grab some dinner. And uh, Michael said to Fred, hey, it's getting a little chilly out. Could I borrow a jacket? From you to wear. And so Fred pointed down the hallway. He said, yeah, go down the hallway. The, the coat closet is down the hallway. And Jordan comes back a few minutes later with an armful of, of coats and shirts and hats and all kinds of, of clothing. And he, he throws it in the middle of the living room floor and he leaves the room and he goes down the hallway again only to come back with another armful of clothing, coats and hats and shirts. And, and uh, Fred uh, began to realize, he looked on the floor, uh, that all of the garments of clothing had the Puma logo on it, okay? And of course, uh, Michael Jordan represented what brand? What brand? 
Nike, right. And so um, Fred watched Michael then go into the kitchen where Michael grabbed the biggest butcher knife he could find and he came into the living room and he literally cut up all of the clothing, all the coats, the hats, the shirts in, in all kinds of, of pieces. And he picked up these pieces and he took them out and he threw them in the trash can and very calmly, very calmly, he came back in and he looked Fred in the eye and he said this. He said, hey, dude, call my Nike representative tomorrow morning and tell him to replace all of this with Nike stuff, but don't ever let me see you again in anything other than Nike. You can't ride the fence. Now, if, if Michael Jordan has that kind of attitude towards a brand that he represents, what kind of attitude should we have towards Jesus Christ? that the Son of God, the one that's given us life, the one that has rescued us, the one that has saved us from the pit of hell and has given us not just life, but he's given us what kind of life? Abundant life. He's given us purpose. He's given us meaning. What kind of attitude should we have towards our God? See, Peter left everything. He left everything, and, and now, after he left everything, he's now in a position where God can use him. He's now in a perfect position where God can use him. See, God's purpose for our life is only discovered through total surrender. God's purpose for our life is only discovered through total surrender. And that day on the lake, Peter discovered his purpose because he he totally surrendered his life to Jesus. And for the next three years, Peter just saw incredible, incredible things. I mean, think about some of the stuff that Peter was able to witness because of that obedience that he had that day to Jesus. He was able to see a little boy, a little girl raised back to life. He was able to be in that field that day feeding 5,000 people And in his basket, as he was distributing fish and bread, the basket never ran empty. And he just continued to to hand out bread and hand out fish. He, He was on the mountain at the transfiguration of Jesus when this cloud enveloped Jesus and Jesus just shined brightly. He couldn't even look at him. Peter was there watching that when, when God spoke, God the Father spoke to Jesus. Think of all of the things that Peter would have missed out on if he hadn't said yes to Jesus. But here's what you also need to know, and here's what many of you already know. Peter didn't always make the right choice, total surrender, did he? There was moments in his life where he went back to this. Um, Jesus even told him that would happen. Jesus said to Peter, there's going to come a time when you're going to deny me. You're going you're to allow fear to creep in. You're going to allow what makes sense to dictate how you react. Peter said, no, never, never, no, no, not me. And the time came. Jesus, of course, was arrested and he was being tried and Peter kind of hung out at a distance so he, w- he wouldn't be spotted. 
when Jesus needed him the most, Peter was taking a back seat and a little schoolgirl spotted him. Remember that? Said, hey, you're, you're one of Jesus' disciples. No, that's not me. Denial number one, right? And then two other times. Denial, denial. Peter realized in that moment, man, I blew it. I blew it. He allowed shame to kind of rise up in his life. Felt dejected, felt worthless, I'm a failure. And what did Peter do in that moment? He turned back to this. It's interesting. He goes back to the lake, goes back to his fishing boat, He goes back to everything that he had left behind when Jesus had called him. He goes back to fishing, feeling like, you know, there's no way that Jesus would ever want to use me again. I've ruined it. And he's fishing. He he just goes back to everything he left behind him. And, uh, you know, he heard rumor that Jesus rose from the dead. But even if it was true, Jesus wouldn't want to use me after I denied him. My life is done. My purpose died when I turned my back on Jesus, right? No, not the case. So you know what, what Peter did. Um, he's, he's out fishing all night, and he's not catching anything. Every time we read about Peter fishing, by the way, he never catches anything. It's interesting, right? It's like, how did this guy make a living anyway uh, when he was a fisherman? But, but you know, so he's fishing. He's frustrated, He's not catching any fish. And he sees a man standing on the shore, but he can't recognize who the man is. But it's Jesus. But, but he doesn't know that it's, it's Jesus. And, and, and here's, what, here's what I love about Jesus. Sometimes Jesus allows us to go back to the place where he first called us to remind us who he is, to remind us who we are in him. And, and turn, turn to John chapter 21, if you, if you have your Bibles. Turn to John 21, and I, I just want to read for you just a couple of verses here, beginning at verse 5. So here's Peter. He's out on the lake. He's fishing. He's feeling like he, he blew it forever, that God doesn't, couldn't use him anymore. And, and verse 5 says this. He called out to them. This is Jesus. Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped in the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus had made them breakfast. And then look at verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus has this, this tender moment with Peter. Tender moment with with Peter, and he says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. Interesting, right? Same thing he he said to to him when when he called him the first time. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, 
He said, you, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands. Someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him these two words. Imagine what these two words would sound like to Peter after he denied Jesus. Follow me. Jesus was, was extending just incredible grace, incredible mercy to Peter. And Peter remembers who God says he was. He remembers the name that Jesus gave him, Peter, Rock. See, sometimes we need to go back to when God first called us to remember that he isn't through with us. I wonder in that moment, if Peter remembered what Jesus said about him uh, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, this is what Jesus said about Peter. He said, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Peter, once again, just kind of realigning his life uh, and allowing God to exchange an aimless life for a life of purpose. And it wasn't long after this, Jesus ascends back to heaven. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And Peter preached his first message. Scripture tells us that over 3,000 people came to Christ that day. The church was born. Peter was living out his purpose. Peter, rock, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now we have an amazing God that's calling you, he's calling me to live a life of purpose. I want you to just think about your, your life in these closing moments here. What target are you aiming at right now? Last Sunday in 2014, what target, if you were to answer that question honestly, what target are you aiming at right now in your, in your life? Are you living your life aimlessly? Or are you living your life with purpose? Now, I can't think of anything worse than getting to the, the end of my life and climbing up a, a corporate ladder, getting to the top of that ladder at the end of my life and realizing that the ladder was leaning up against the wrong wall. That's, that's just a sad picture of a life. And here's what I know. Some of you, you're living out the purpose that God has, has given to you, not perfectly, but obediently. And you're, you're living out that purpose for your life. Some of you, God is calling you to a life of obedience but you just can't get over the fact that, man, this doesn't make any sense. 
This, this just doesn't make any sense. And because of that, you, you've not been, been willing to cast your nets into whatever God is asking you to do. Some of you, uh, God is uh, asking you just to stay right where you're at, but, but just to start having a different target at, at your place of employment. And today, uh, maybe you'll make the commitment that, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in tomorrow as a fisher of men. Maybe, maybe some of you, God is calling you to leave your place of employment. He's been, been nudging you for a while, and you've been resisting, again, because it's comfortable where you're at. But you know in your heart of hearts, the Holy Spirit's leading you someplace different. And today you're going to say yes. You're going you're to commit to Jesus and whatever it is that he's asking you to do. Maybe for some of you, you God saved you and you're thankful for that, but you've, you're, you're, you're sitting on the bench. You're a spectator. And God's calling you to jump into the game, to start using the gifts and abilities that he's placed in your, in your life that he's gifted you with to, to start making a difference. And some of you are going to begin to serve in a ministry after this message. So I, I don't know where uh, you're at. I, I know for me and my wife, we've, we've been praying. We've been having the conversation. We want 2015 to be intentional. We want 2015 to be missional. And so we're looking and we're praying for opportunities where we can plug into our community, that we can be uh, better fishers of men. So allow God to move and work in you. Let's have an amazing 2015 for the Lord. Let me just pray for you. Father God, thank you. Thank you that even when you know there are gonna be times in our lives when we make the wrong choice, Lord, you still in your grace and your mercy, you, you, you set us on the right path. You give us an opportunity, Lord, to to live out our life of purpose. God, thank you for giving us something to wake up in the morning, something that's bigger than ourselves, Lord. Thank you for, for giving us purpose, Lord. Thank you for exchanging our aimless life for a life of purpose. Lord, give us the courage to do whatever it is that you're asking us to do today, that we may leave here today changed, making a commitment, Lord, to, to be 100% all-in committed to whatever it is that you're asking us to do. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Now, here's, here's what I know. Jesus, Jesus loves it. He loves it when we're able to verbalize our commitment before we know what he's asking us to do. He loves when we, we stake our, our, our claim and we put our stake in the ground and we say, whatever it is that you're asking me to do, Jesus, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to do it regardless of what it is. And so here's what I want us to do. We're going to close in a song with a song in just a couple of minutes. But if you're willing to say yes to whatever it is that Jesus might be calling you to do, you don't even know what it is yet, on the count of three, I want you to yell out yes as loud as you can. Let's head into 2015 ready to live our lives on purpose. Ready? One, two, three, yes! yes!